This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to Manchester and the Conservative Party Conference. My name is Tim Montgomery and this is the latest edition of the Times Opinion podcast. I'll be joined in a few minutes by Paul Goodman, editor of the Conservative Home website, and we'll be talking about the mood amongst the grassroots of the Conservative Party as they gather for this uh, conference season. But first, I'm joined by two of my fellow columnists, Jenny Russell and Daniel Finkelstein. Daniel, what's the mood? How happy is this party? The first party conference for a Tory majority government for a couple of decades. Well, Patting themselves on the back? No, well, interestingly, and I think encouragingly, it's not self-congratulatory. Matthew Side, one of our colleagues, has got a very interesting book just come out in which he argues that what you do to get your method right is to look at all the mistakes you're making and try to analyse those and try to remove those in order to get better. Uh, and it's very hard to do when you're being successful. Uh, that's in fact, the moment when you're most likely to make errors. I think there is at at least the beginnings of a mood. Political parties are always quite bad at this, but there is the beginnings of a mood where the Conservative Party is willing to do that. In other words, to explore the question of why people still voted Labour in the last election in such large numbers. Um, That is the right way to approach the Conservative Party's victory at the last election. And I've been interested that just sort of saying, didn't we do well at the last election hasn't produced what you would think which was just constant rounds of applause it is a bit of an empty line after all because the victory has happened uh, so I think that has been good and it bodes well for the party's future though of course it doesn't mean that it won't run into quite a lot of difficulties. Jenny Russell do, do you agree with that do you see a party in reflective rather than celebratory mode? Yes I do although what's also interesting about being here is that this is the calmest and happiest Conservative comrades I've known in 25 years. Even when they were in power in the Thatcher years, there was a kind of agitated anger about this party. It was an angry party. It was it was cross about the way the world was changing and it didn't like it and it was resentful of things. And Which is how Labour felt last week in Brighton. That's right. To me. But what's yeah. so interesting is that, uh, and then over the past few years, Tory party comrades have been full of people seething rather about the constraints of the Lib Dems or, <laughs> or cross about what was um, happening to to them in the, in the political arguments with the Lib Dems. And now they're rather serene. But, as Danny says, the interesting thing is that that serenity is not so far accompanied by smugness. And I think they can afford to be as thoughtful as they are being now in fringes and self-critical because 
The football field is empty. I mean, the opposition has all either been sent off or broken its legs or is in a huddle round the corner with their backs to the main match, you know, talking to themselves. So the Conservatives can actually stand back, put their hands on their hips and say, hmm, next time we shoot at that goal, should we try this position or that one? You know, which one would be better? Why did we trip over our shoelaces last time? And and you're very plugged into Labour circles. What is Labour's reaction to what they're seeing? Things like uh, George Osmond's recruitment of Andrew Adonis to lead this infrastructure commission? Well, it's very interesting. I was talking to a couple of senior Labour people last night who are, again, on the party's intellectual wing and whose big concern, whose drive has always been, how do you govern the country best? And they were saying dejectedly, well, the Tories are now the only game in town and they may well be the only game in town for the next decade. So perhaps we should all be doing what Adonis is doing, because if what you care about is what's happening to the country, you ought to be trying to get to the ear of the people who are going to be running it. And because Osborne has been so particularly brilliant at picking up and running with the best elements of all Labour's ideas, like the Northern Powerhouse, um, like the living wage, um, they would like to be part of that. So in a way, I think Labour's danger now is that its best minds are going to start moving towards the Tories and away from the party in the rethinking, because I don't think, what's the point? Uh, there was an item, uh, Daniel Finkelstein, on uh, Tuesday morning's Red Box email, which listed eight policies that George Osborne had allegedly stolen from the Labour manifesto. I think you could include things like the Infrastructure Commission, the National um, Living Wage, the repatriation of business rates to to local government. Is that a fair point that um, some of the best ideas, Labour may not be in in office, but their ideas, or at least some of them, are in power. Yeah, I've got no problem with it. If the ideas are good, I think it's fine. And um, if they produce ideas that are worthwhile implementing, I'm really pleased that the Conservative Party doesn't feel it has to reject them just because of where it came from. One thing that is quite interesting is the emergence of a new political theme, which I suppose could have been taken up by anybody, uh, but the Conservative Party has grasped on, on it now, and that is the idea of building. I noticed that with all the differences and jostling that might exist between Boris Johnson and George Osborne, both of them talked about infrastructure and building and Crossrail and HS2. As did Zach Goldsmith in his speech, the new Tory candidate. Correct. Now, obviously, there will be differences of opinion because most notably about Heathrow, but the uh, you know that's natural. However, uh, this idea of uh, rebuilding the country's infrastructure, um, investing in uh, big projects of this kind, um, is a moment that uh, I think is, a, is an idea that its time has come and it's an interesting thing to seize on and of course it's non-ideological uh, which is why you can uh, attach yourself to people like Andrew Adonis whom you know I think as well as being a game for the Conservatives if you look at the situation that the right of the Labour Party found itself in and everyone's saying the problem is they haven't got any new ideas over and over again the person who has provided them with new ideas has been Andrew Adonis and if uh, they were going to get any new ones uh, he was going to provide them as well as being a good thing for George and Osborne and the Conservative Party to have him they've also deprived Labour of exclusive right in future to Andrew Adonis's stream of ideas and that is obviously a big gain. It hasn't all been happy families here uh, Jenny Russell we've had um, Boris Johnson hinting at his concerns about the cuts to tax credits we've had a pretty hard line speech from Theresa May on immigration that certainly a lot of conservative more liberal minded commentators have been criticizing is this just policy difference or are we beginning to see the uh, 
the first signs of the Tory leadership contest and its contours. Well, a couple of people who are close to um, the inner race were saying to me last night um, the problem for both Boris and Theresa is that they feel they're being left behind by George. They've got to find some USP that distinguishes them both from George in the minds of the membership and from any other contenders that might be coming up behind them. So Boris has suddenly um, discovered a great concern for the poor and the unequal, which was not evident a couple of years ago. And Theresa is moving far to the right on immigration. Um, I found what was very interesting about listening to Theresa today is that she made a very cogent speech. You may not agree with what she believes, but she made a good argument for why she was right. She got almost no reaction in that hall at all. It was almost dead. And applause lines that in the old Tory party would have got rapturous standing ovations, got the same kind of polite response as if she said, I think rich tea biscuits are definitely better for us than chocolate digestives. Um, So I don't know what was going on there, whether it was the speaker or the sentiment or simply the hall, but you didn't feel that she was tapping into a kind of rousing theme. And part of me wondered whether that was because, in fact, the Tories may have lost some of that particularly right-wing element to UKIP. Mm -hmm. Perhaps they are a less right-wing party than they were. But I think I I think, uh, I agree with that. I also think there's an element in which... The real Tory party isn't necessarily a Tory conference anymore. I think that's when true. I was at Conservative Home, I did a survey. The average cost of coming to a Conservative conference in a place like Manchester or Birmingham, a big city, is seven or eight hundred pounds. And there are um, a lot of members here, but there are a lot of lobbyists, and the yes. members that are here are slightly better heeled. They've the sharper suits. You know, they can afford to stay in a, a city hotel, whereas in Blackpool and Bournemouth, where Tory conferences used to be used to be held, you could stay in a bed and breakfast for 15, 20 pounds, 25 pounds a night. And these are the people who can afford not to worry so much about immigration. Daniel, am I, am I, am I right in saying there's a different composition Definitely. of Tory conferences? Um, <coughs> so there's, a, there's some concern among uh, speakers about the hall. When I worked for William Hague, he committed the party to keep coming back to Blackpool. And I tried to persuade him because I was helping him with the speech really not to say we're going to come back to Blackpool year after year, even though I'd written a good line about Labour being too cool for Blackpool. Uh, <laughs> and um, he refused because he said, no, this is a great hall to speak in. And the, the speakers, garden, I think the, the speakers have been gardens, trying to yeah. get Andrew Feldman, the party chair, and to kind of move it somewhere which is a better place to speak in because the hall's quite deadening. Often the speeches work better in Bournemouth than they do here. Although Boris uh, did um, get a laugh. and from that, I think that's partly because if you're the public affairs manager of Weatherspoons, you can laugh at, um, who are, you know, constitutes at least a third of the audience, you can laugh at Boris's uh, jokes quite happily, but you're unlikely to applaud uh, move on the uniform business rate. <laughs> now, one sort of, uh, on the fringe, there's been lots of um, all-male panels. I don't know whether you've seen the BuzzFeed article, but they took pictures, I think, of 16 all-male fringe meeting um, panels. Now, one of our colleagues, David Aronovich, will refuse to take part in any panel where there is not at least I one. It's time for the woman to answer this one. No, yeah. female. Well, Jenny, you have to wait your turn after a man has spoken on this <laughs> subject. But, uh, um, Danny, um, would you? Uh, I, I'm one. I have to admit, I'm one of the people pictured in that BuzzFeed thread. But would yes. you have that same, David Aronovich? I've actually objection? got a commitment in the Jewish community um, not to, to speak on panels um, with more than, uh, you know, with more than just me um, with no women on it um, I think it's the correct thing I do actually try and by, by the way internet to avoid speaking on panels altogether that's an even better Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Policy, uh, because you find otherwise you're speaking in a meeting that lasts half an hour with six people speaking <laughs> in it, and it's a bit of a waste of time. But yes, um, I, I think it's very important uh, politically um, for the Conservative Party as well, by the way. Um, one of the areas where it's still weak is in terms of female participation, and also um, it's all white, male, and white panels as well, and that's also concerning. Jenny? Yeah, this drives me completely mad. Um, the assumption that it's always men who should talk about something. And I think that unless there is that kind of pressure on people, unless they say, hang on a minute, you cannot discuss any issue without having at least one woman on the panel, then we aren't going to get anywhere. And I'm very glad that BuzzFeed's drawing attention to it. Because there's a lazy default position where people say, we must have the most prominent speakers on this issue. And, oh, look, they're all men. And, of course, there's a vicious circle that goes on here. If you get picked to be on panels and you look like an expert, people take you more seriously, the thing goes round and round. If women are always not on them, then they also look and think women can't be on them and everyone else makes the same assumptions. Now, we're obviously speaking before David Cameron has spoken. Some people will have um, heard, who would listen to this podcast later in the week, will have heard David Cameron. But putting you both on the spot, um, of all of the conferences we've had so far, we have the SNP still to look forward to next month. But has anything happened in this party conference season that we will still be remembering in a few months' time? Well, Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, that, that's, we're going to remember, be remembering that in a few years' time, I think. That's kind of an evangelical But in the party, his election, obviously, but anything in the party conference season? Danny? Trident. And not the vote on Trident, but Jeremy Corbyn's statement that he would not press the button. That is a critical political moment because it means that whatever policy the Labour Party pursues, it still makes a difference who its leader is in an election. So it will be impossible now for the party to say, well, yes, we've got a leader we don't agree with, but he's bound by party policy because he's now said he is not going to uh, implement one element of the policy if the Labour Party agrees to remain with Trident. So I think that single moment will dwarf anything else. Clearly, real policy... The, the, uh, we'll still be remembering the rate, uh, uh, the rating issue, the business uniform business, business rate. And I think that, although this isn't really a party conference issue, we're going to see the issue of uh, tax credits rumble on. I think we're going to see a lot more than rumbling on with tax credits, actually. I think one of the Conservatives' failings is that they don't understand what life is like for people who just don't have resources behind them. And they think, oh, well, everyone can tighten their belts, and even if you do lose £750 for each child that you have when you're low-paid non-tax credits, this is a price worth paying because we're going to revolutionise the way the tax system works. I know from talking to Tories that when you say to them, do you realise that these people will have nobody to turn to to make up that 
gulf in the income. If you're earning £24,000 a year and you lose £1,500, that is a, so much money taken out of your disposable income. They do look blank. They, li- they live in circles where they don't understand that you may have nobody from whom you can borrow £20, let alone 100 And I think unless they do something about that, they are going to alienate so many people who believe the Conservatives when they said we're on the side of the strivers, not the shirkers. And I think this is a misunderstanding and I think it's a big political mistake on their part. And if they don't do something about it, they're going to create some really alienated people who might otherwise have believed that the Tories were now on the centre ground and on the side of working people. And interestingly, the Sun newspaper agrees with you, launching a campaign this week on that very subject. Jenny Russell, Daniel Finkstein, thank you very much. Now, before I joined this small organisation called The Times, I work for this massive website called Conservative Home, and I am now joined by the man who edits that website, um, Paul Goodman, um, editor of Conservative... Welcome back <laughs> to Conservative Home. I'm welcome to The Times. Paul, now, I've just been talking to uh, Danny Finkelstein and Jenny Russell, yes. and trying to get to the bottom of whether the kind of person that comes to a conference like this actually represents the Tory grassroots now. What what would be your answer to that question? We've had 18 fringe events um, for Conservative Home in this conference programme. I'd say at most of these meetings, up to half of the questions have been asked by lobbyists or third sector representatives or people who are not party members. Now that said, the last one we've just had with Steve Baker, MP, about the European Union packed the tent out and every single question bar one was from a party activist. We had so many that at one point security was saying we might have to close the event. So my conclusion would be there's still a huge appetite for political debate in the Conservative Party but it's not reflected in what the conference has largely become. It's become a kind of corporate fest at which a lot of business is done by people who want to lobby government and government comes to it. Those activists that do come, though, are they representative? Because uh, when Almost we, when by we will... definition, they can't be fully because uh, these conferences are held in city centres now. Uh, although efforts are made to make them cheaper, the city centres are less cheap than Bournemouth or Brighton or Blackpool or the seaside venues used to be. So by definition, they'll be a bit better healed. So if I'm a journalist, I was a journalist looking to find out what the mood of the Tory party membership was. I wouldn't was. necessarily regard the conference as a reliable barometer if I was doing a vox pop, whether it was on a sort of central issue like uh, policy issue like the EU, or whether it was over a more narrow political issue like who the next leader of the party will be. So where, where would I go? Well, one place you might Giving go... Giving you a huge opportunity for place, self-advertisement. One place you might go is to the Conservative Home poll. Uh, You will know well about it because you started it yourself. You ran the only leadership poll um, it's ever done, which turned out to be extremely accurate in 2005. It's still going. We've just had a thousand responses to our last monthly poll. And it seems to be in pretty good health because on the London mayoralty, and remember, it's a poll of members, this, not just a poll of members in London. But it got the rough shape right. It got Zach ahead by a very, very big margin. I think in our poll it was 60%. In the actual uh, London primary it was 70%, with the rest well behind. So I think our poll's not doing badly. Yeah. And what are the main other findings that you've um, found at the moment? Where, for example, are the members on that big question of membership of the European Union? Well, our poll has consistently found uh, it's roughly 
two thirds for leaving. It's a third for staying. We've tried very much more Eurosceptic than the parliamentary party. Much more than the parliamentary party. Um, I, I think in the event of the referendum, I expect David Cameron to campaign for in or remain. That I'd expect to have some effect on the numbers, but it's pretty clear both from this poll and from any other poll that's been done, there's a what Tony Blair would have called an irreducible core for leaving the EU in the Conservative Party. So even though a lot of UKIP members, well, Tory members who are now left for UKIP, yes. the, the, the people left behind are still two-thirds pretty, in favour of Brexit. It would appear so. I mean, we've just had in our meeting with Steve Baker, a key meeting on the EU, absolutely packed out. I thought a more nuanced position. Um, I would have said that about you know, a quarter to a third of the people in the room were absolutely solidly for leaving. Um, but really a lot wanted, it seemed to me, a big renegotiation. And that, as you know, we're unlikely to get. And the other issue, of course, that's uh, dominating the, uh, the gossip on the edge of this conference is who is going to succeed, David? Cameron, what do your poll find on that question? I've got quite a lot of confidence in the poll on this because it's very consistent. And for month after month in the last parliament, Theresa May and Boris Johnson were slugging it out at the top with very little change. Then we had the election, the surprise Conservative win. And that seemed to sort of shake up the psychology of the people doing the poll, like a kaleidoscope. And after a couple of months, George Osborne just powered through. He's out in front with about a third of the vote. The next person is Sanjay Javid, who's come up, but is about 20 points behind him. This month, the poll scarcely moved. So at this stage, George Osborne is the front runner, but it's a long way to go. 2020 is a way away. We have a European referendum to get through first. And Osborne will be well mindful of what I'm going to say next, which is the front runner doesn't tend to win. Michael Portillo and David Davis would certainly agree with David that. Certainly would. Um, but overall, though, one of Jenny Russell's observations was this is a happy conference. You'd agree with that? Yeah, and I think it's a settled conference. It, it's very hard, though, when you use phrases like happy conference, to be sure you're talking about the members because of this facet we've just discussed, because of the sheer profusion of lobbyists and third sector groups and interest groups of one sort or another. But it does feel to me much more like the conference of a natural party of government, uh, of an establishment party of the days when people used to say, I don't have very much politics, I vote Conservative. Then they're kind of turbocharged, ideologically driven, passionate issues-based debates we used to have in the 1990s and in the early 2000s. Paul Goodman, thank you very much. So that's all from the party conference season. Thank you to you for listening. Thanks to Dave Maguire, my producer, for putting this podcast together. And if you are a Times subscriber, please do go to thetimes.co.uk slash commentcentral where you can find some links to uh, background articles concerning the conference season and also a link to that BuzzFeed article I mentioned where all those pictures of those all-male pals are. But we will be back in London next week and back to our usual format. See you then. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.